Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon, here with host Eric Trexler. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great, Rachel. I was noticing our guest podcast today has an explicit rating. We have a clean <laughs> rating. We're going to do our best, but, you know, some things happen. That's... <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. But yes, I'm so excited to welcome today's guest. And I have to admit, I even have podcast envy uh, from a smashing security podcast that makes cybersecurity fun, informative, um, and something that you look forward to learning more about. So thank you, Graham Cluley, for for bringing that to the world. And welcome to To The Point. Oh, hello, hello. Well, what a a lovely (laughs) introduction that was. That's very kind. Thank you so much. It's, It's nice to be here. It's great to have you, Graham. And it's even better because this is our second take. <laughs> we get like two of you. It's awesome. Let's not talk about the first one and what went wrong that we time. We will not talk about it. But I do love the fact that you opened your doors and windows so your signals is stronger today. It's, uh, that, that yeah, was awesome. Yeah, the, uh, the, the internet let us down a bit. Uh, it's a bit, actually, it's a bit like what happens in Britain when it snows or when there are leaves on the train line and the whole, the whole country <laughs> comes to a halt. If there's a tiny little <laughs> bit of frost or, you know, oh, I wonder if leaves will fall off the train, uh, off the trees this year or not. And sure enough, it, they do. Hey, so before we get started, I have, I have a question from one of your shows that you've recently done that I was listening to. I need a little uh, Oxford English Dictionary, maybe is okay. the way to look at it. Jazz cigarettes. We're talking marijuana there? Y- yes, the old Mary Jane. Uh, yes. So Okay. <laughs> We, we, we sometimes... I've never heard that term before. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, Rachel. Well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm I, yeah. proud to say I'm very, very square. And so I've never indulged in such things. But uh, there, there are a lot of different phrases uh, for cigarettes, including ones for uh, of the narcotic kind as well, the illegal substances. Maybe not I so illegal I was listening to the show actually, and I thought I caught it. Yeah, not so illegal in the U.S. for yeah, sure. Yeah, not anymore in most states. states. Yeah. I, I thought I yeah. caught that, but I wasn't sure. And I had my 13-year-old with me. Yes. And uh, he, he loves he, he loved the show. He was like, this is this is so much better than yours, Dad. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't believe that for a second. 13 years Michael, old. Michael, why def- is it better? They curse and they're not you. <laughs> oh. I think it's okay, more the I'll, second I'll take thing. that. Thank you. <laughs> It was it was great with listening with him, but I, oh. I wanted to qualify that I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, we did. We had a, one listener who contacted us who said that um, his nine year old was a huge fan of the show, and whenever um, they went oh, out boy. on the weekends, they would tune into Smash. You know, and he actually requests it by name, and I was just like, I I really don't think this is a good idea. I- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with titles like booze, nudes, and insurance dudes, how could you go wrong with the minors? <laughs> well, I don't want Look, people to get the wrong it's idea. It's a great <laughs> entertaining show every yeah. week. I, Graham, I, I, I got to tell you, it, it is yeah. it is such a fun show. It I have really no is. problem. My, my 13-year-old's heard it all, so maybe I'm ir- <laughs> an irresponsible parent, but at least he's learning about cybersecurity, ransomware, and the like during exactly. it, and a little English culture. Well, I think it's important, isn't it? If if we're going to succeed in the fight against cyber criminals, then it can't just be 
beardy nerds and people wearing sandals who um, are, are fighting the bad guys. We, we need absolutely everyone to learn about these things and know how to protect themselves from scammers. And so we, we just try and make it accessible to everyone. And part of that is making it fun. I, I think that's a huge part of it. It's, it's, yes. it's, this is going to turn into a generational thing. I, I think back to, you know, just go 10 years ago, trying mm. to talk to you know, your mom or, or, or somebody who's not in the space, who didn't grow up in the space. They don't have the, uh, the, the capability even to recognize what's happening, what you're talking about. It's just not part of their upbringing. The what? kids know, though. Yeah, they do, uh, because they've, they've, they've been brought up in it. And, and nowadays, many people sadly have become victims, or it's really front-page news about some of the data breaches which are occurring. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's very easy sometimes. Sometimes we look at our elderly relatives or our in-laws, and we think, oh, crikey, you're so terrible at all this Zoom calls and things like this. You don't really know how to do it. And you have to remember... The world has fundamentally changed an enormous amount in a very short period of time. The the yeah. iPhone, yes. for instance, is only fifteen years old, less than fifteen years, I think. Yeah, two thousand seven. Yeah, and and so that that has made a huge societal change. You know, it changed every smartphone which came after it. Yes. Everyone now carries a camera with them all the time. Everyone's installing apps. Everyone's on a social network of one kind or another, or doing banking online. I mean, that's mm -hmm. extraordinary in such a short period of time. Yeah. It is. And I, I think the older you are in many cases, depending on your background, what you do, how you learn, it makes it more difficult sometimes to understand in that pace of change we see what's happening and, and how vulnerable you could be and how yeah. accessible your information is. And how, how, how yeah. even disinformation on the news is so much more fluid than it was 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. See, that's a big scary thing, isn't it? This whole deep fact. I mean, I'm getting quite old myself and there's lots of things people talk about like NFTs and <laughs> oh, for goodness sake and the deep fake technology and all of this. And you kind of think, oh, is the whole world going to hell in a hay cart? You know, what on earth? And how am I going to keep up with all this TikTok stuff or Clubhouse right. and but back in our day when we new, walked to school uphill both ways in the snow, even in the summer, <laughs> we somehow made it through. We did. Life was better then. Kids today, you tell them that they just wouldn't believe you. It was always better then. <laughs> well, I mean, think, but that's a really interesting point, right? I mean, remember living offline. I I remember when we didn't have call waiting, and it was a rotary phone. If I'm dating myself and. It was a simpler time for sure. And, you know, you kind of wonder, do we need to get back to that to get safe? You know, we lose all the convenience, but maybe, maybe there's a movement that needs to like start kicking off here. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get the kids to uh, buy into it or not. There's a great video <laughs> on YouTube, isn't there? Where uh, I think a parent takes two teenage boys, sits them in front of a rotary phone and says, work out how you make a phone call with that. And they just do not have a clue. And it's understandable they don't have a I clue. I haven't because seen it. The, 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 oh, it's a great, I, I'm, it's, it's been around a lot. I'll, I'll send you a link later. But it, That's fantastic. You know, because it's such a bizarre user interface, if you think about it, the old rotor, you know, and how would yes. you choose a number? Because they're looking for buttons to press at the very least. Exactly. And do you pick up the headset first? And, you know, we, you know they, they're baffled by it, which is fun well, for us. Even but, the dial tone, there's no dial right. tone anymore. 
Right. Yeah. Like on cell phones, there's no dial tone. I, I noticed no. my oldest is uh, almost 28 now. My youngest is 13. Mm. There is a, a generational gap between the two of them. My, yeah. my grandmother, before she passed, um, had a rotary phone. Yeah. My youngest had no clue how to operate it, to no. your point, Graham. No. My oldest did. She Welcome the to cusp. the Old Fogies podcast. <laughs> yes, isn't it great? Rachel, Rachel, youth, youth, uh, young us up a little here. Give us something. Please. Well, I, you know, where, where to start? Where to start? I, I mean, I do want to say, Graham, for, for the, all of those that are listening, that, you know, I, I love, love, love your reporting. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, it's almost like your security podcast as well. I mean, you, you make it, uh, accessible and interesting, um, oh, and, and hitting on, on all the things that we should be talking about today. And, you know, I think, uh, colonial pipeline, I've, I've seen your recent coverage on that, mm. um, ransomware, everyone can't stop talking about it. Um, you know, and you, and you wrote that great story, you know, in, in the irony, I think of, of the world that we live in today of, you know, AXA, the cyber insurance company, oh. like, we're no longer going to support ransomware. And then what do you know? Uh, they they get a ransomware attack. But it it kind of Eric, gets to the, the heart of what we were talking about a little bit um, earlier with Nicole was if you kind of stand up and, you know, kind of bring your head above the fray and you kind of make yourself a target uh, if, if you kind of go bold and, and make a stand. And and uh, it's, it's really created an interesting dynamic for companies today, uh, I think, on how do you navigate forward? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it it's true. I mean... And of course, we've seen that before as well with some of the um, anonymous style hacktivism. You know, if they take a dislike yes. to your company, they might deface your and web page or now. steal your data. And well, I'm not sure they ever really went away, did they? I think, I think oh, they quieted down. Anonymous quieted, quieted down, down a little I, bit. I think some of that was because people realised, you know, you could get into an awful lot of trouble doing these things, and you could end up in prison for a significant period of time. And maybe it wasn't so good to do those kind of things as a joke or because uh, there is that um not not to say that the world isn't any less political than uh it it was 10 years ago maybe in some ways it is but there is so much cybercrime going on but you're you're right i mean with axa the cyber insurance firm what they did in in france which i think is where their uh, multinational base is they said we're no longer going to write new policies uh to cover ransomware payments for our clients and then within days, their branches in Asia um, were hit by a ransomware attack. And you have to think, well, I wonder if AXA have insurance to pay that ransomware. <laughs> I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing because obviously it, it's not funny. Well, it is funny, but no, it's not. Well, it kind of is funny. But, you know, it's. <laughs> well, all right. And if yeah, you're self insured, is that really insurance? Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Oh, maybe they went to a different insurance firm. Who knows? But um, it's. You, you do have to wonder, were they targeted because of that? What we have seen are cyber criminals who specifically target cyber insurance companies, not to hit them initially with ransomware, but to steal details from them of who their clients are. And then they wow. hit those clients. And the coverage with policies too, right? Right. Because they know, exactly, yes. because they know they are likely to pay. And then at the end of that process, they then hit the insurance company. So maybe that's what happened with AXA. Wow. And with Colonial Pipeline, no, I think it was. I think it was either bad humor or it was. <laughs> it it was. Hey, we need to protect our. We need to protect our business model here. Right. We, we right. will show the whole insurance world. Yeah. 
don't do this. Yeah, don't, well, don't a, cut off our money next. source. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure as well from governments who are, uh, and yes. law enforcement agencies who are trying to encourage. There's quite a strong lobbying going on at the moment in the UK from uh, former members of the intelligence service saying we should never, ever pay ransomware and ransomware payments right. should be made illegal. So it might be that we begin to see that kind of pressure happening elsewhere. We've we just seen Colonial Pipeline, right? So they were hit with, by ransomware. Yes. Um, they shut down the pipeline. Now, interestingly, lots of people initially assumed the ransomware attack had shut down the pipeline. Turns out mm-hmm. the bad guys never had access to the pipeline. What it turns out was that Colonial Pipeline, according to reports, their billing system was affected. So they thought, crikey, yes. we aren't going to be able to charge yes. people for the fuel, so we better turn off the fuel pipe. <laughs> Because we're going to lose money, um, and and so that's such a logical response. It is now well, they sure, ended up. We can't. We're an oil. We're a pipeline company. We can't give oil and, and petroleum <laughs> products away for free. Well, no. no, it's dangerous precedent, isn't it? Um, and hence, you saw all those cues, and you know the panic buying. Yes. Um, but now, Colonial Pipeline ended up paying five million dollars to the Dark Side ransomware gang. Which right. hasn't turned out to be the best advert for Darkseid because apparently the decryption tool they gave Colonial yes. didn't work very well. <laughs> it wasn't quick enough or it was a bit clunky. So Colonial said, oh, all right, then right. we'll go to our backups. <laughs> Madness, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And then Darkseid disappeared. Yeah, what, what is that? It's Dark Side, and then another one. I think kind of yes. went offline as well. I read. I which think is you know what. Yeah, I think when you see the president of the United States begin to talk about your ransomware gang, you begin to think, "Hang on a minute, this might be a spot of bother." Chances are he's going to put the authorities into looking into who we are. So my guess is they just maybe scarpered. don't put out a news release, Graham. <laughs> No, it was, they did. They sort of said, oh, we know we're, we're not political. Please don't do this. But um, it's curious. So their infrastructure has now gone down. Interestingly, is that the work of law enforcement? Is it the gang? Is it the gang pretending it's the work of law enforcement because they don't want to have to give commission to the other criminals? Because that was ransomware as a service. So uh, yes, have they actually yes. scarpered with other criminals' money? And are trying to make it look like they've just been shut down by the feds. Interesting. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I I was wondering if there's like some ransomware gang oversight board and they felt like Darkseid (laughs) just didn't deliver on a good SLA with the bad encryption. I think (laughs) you're thinking of Spectre. You've you've seen too many James Bond movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or or is it like Operation Olympic Games where somebody shut them down to try to prove a point? Yeah. It may be. It's... um, Maybe we'll find out one day. Who knows? But um, certainly disappointing to spend $5 million and find that your decryption tool isn't really up to the job. I know. There should be some kind of refund or partial refund. Uh, <laughs> are you think you know, crime should have these this? rules? Exactly. Okay. You should Why be able not? to go to the I mean, Better if, Business if Bureau. For financial gain. Yeah. <laughs> you should be able to make a complaint. Yeah, file a complaint. <laughs> the laws of criminal behavior were violated. Exactly. You know, I want did, my... I, I, did Colonial Pipeline? Because that's the um, whole construct for ransomware, right? Yeah. <laughs> did did they sign a contract with the ransomware gang? That's the interesting question. 
Exactly. So Graham, you reacted when I talked about disinformation or misinformation. Yeah. Deep fakes fall into that category. I know that's an area you've spent some time on. You know, the way you reacted, you're, you're similar to, I think, Rachel and I, where, where this is a major concern for us. What are your thoughts there? Well, I think it's horrifying, not just from the cybersecurity point of view, but from the societal point of view. I think we've had a situation in recent years, both in here in the UK and in the United States, where people are beginning to distrust the media and distrust politicians. And they're getting their news more yeah. and more from social networks. And people will share around- Or from the media they choose. Right. Well, exactly. Right. right. So they might watch a particular channel, which has a particular- point of view. And and let's, let's be fair, you know, that can be right wing or left wing. It can go either way. And if you only hear news from one particular point of view, um, there is a danger uh, that you'll be swayed from it. But so many people don't go to legitimate news channels. So many people will now go to social networks instead, and they'll see their friends mm -hmm. sharing a video yes. or sharing a link or a YouTube video or something like that. And People reshare these things without without even mm -hmm. watching them sometimes, or just having read the headline. Absolutely. So the danger with no, deep exactly, fakes, and the headline can be very misleading, even. Yes. Well, well, well uh, absolutely, yeah, and or the image could be photoshopped, and so the risk is that um, the lie will get around the world in no time at all, and even if it is debunked later, it'll only be a tiny percentage of people who hear about that. Yeah, it's too late. So, so I go to the BBC. Smart, not smart. I mean, when I wanted up the middle, I tend to look to the BBC, and I can't even tell you why. I just do that. Yeah, I mean, I I tend. To, it's interesting because here in the UK, the BBC has become quite controversial with some of the newspapers. Some newspapers feel that it is very left wing. Other people think it's too right wing. So nobody's poor old BBC are kind of stuck in the middle. And I think it's right <laughs> up the middle. Well, I think they try to be, but sometimes... So, so I'll, I'll explain the problem that we had during our whole Brexit shambles was that the, the BBC likes to be impartial and so it likes to present multiple points of view. And mm -hmm. a, a lot of people, uh, a lot of sort of academics and the like and economists were of the opinion that Brexit was a bad idea, but the BBC had to present a point of view which also opposed that. And so there were certain people who weren't necessarily ec economists or weren't necessarily academics, and they would be given equal airtime to those who felt, you know, and I'm not sure they necessarily had the same weight. Or look at something like climate change, right? Most of us agree that we need to do something to look after the world and be more careful with climate. Yes. Now, with the BBC being impartial, you should... According to, their, uh, according to their guidelines, you should give equal weight to those people who believe that climate change is a real danger, to those people who are climate change deniers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even if 99% of scientists say climate change is a really serious problem and only 1% think it isn't, you have to give them equal weight on the BBC. And that's but is a that dangerous the answer thing. to disinformation? I beg your pardon? Is, is that the answer for disinformation? Didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, I, I, I'm not really sure what the answer is. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I do, I do rely on the BBC a lot, but I think each of us maybe needs to learn to be a little bit more discriminating. 
ourselves. Yes. And we need to have some kind of editorial thing of whoever we're getting our news from, just to question it, just to be a bit sceptical. Mm-hmm. And there it does begin to lead into cybersecurity, doesn't it? Because yes. you should be sceptical about the links you are sent. You should be sceptical about even if a friend has sent you an executable file, is it safe to run or not? And mm-hmm. we know that, you know, quite often it isn't safe to run. So it's it's quite a useful thing to be a little bit cynical and sceptical sometimes. It is, but I find in our face, fast-paced society, there's so many people that just click on the link or they don't mm-hmm. have time or they don't yeah. think about it. Or right. I'm not going to do the research because to do the research would take 45 minutes and I really don't care enough. Yeah. But then they believe that there are microchips that are being injected into their body through the COVID vaccines. Oh, oh, and yeah, and my- they can't even question like, well, even if we could make one that small, Rachel, how would we po- power a microchip <laughs> in the body? And is Bill they, Gates so really we, that we interested question. in what I'm doing? You know, right. <laughs> to be monitoring me exactly. all the time. Exactly. But there's something in it, and I, I I understand the flip side because I too, you know, I I like to make sure that I'm cross-referencing sources, right? When I read mm. something, so that I, you know, I, I can figure out where where in the middle the truth lies. But there is something oddly gratifying. Right. Yes. When you find these sources on social media that just kind of reaffirm all of this kind of, you know, life perspective that you have, You're like my people, my tribe, and you just want to swim in it all day long because it's comfortable and it feels good because no one likes to really be challenged. Right. And and I yeah. think that's, that's I the love being there. challenged. I totally disagree with you, but I, I will say the majority <laughs> of the public might might agree with you. They don't being, want to be being challenged. serious for a moment. I don't want to ruin the mood, but being serious for a moment. When I was at university, I had a girlfriend who joined a religious cult. And it was, uh, uh, and it's interesting the parallels I see from what happened to me and what happened to her 30 odd years ago um, to what I see happening in society now, where you see people who believe they are being victimized, who believe that the media is against them, who believe that things which they believe are not being taken seriously and they're presented as crackpots and extremists. And you do end up, when you feel painted into that corner, if you were a member of that small group, you begin to fight back and you accelerate the views of the people who are in in your group Mm -hmm. with you. You know, you give them more reinforcement. And there's a lot we can learn about how best to communicate with the people who maybe don't share our political views or don't agree with us about COVID or vaccines or, or whatever it is. We shouldn't just call them idiots. You shouldn't, because you've lost right. the argument if you do that. Exactly. You have to try and approach them in a, a, a much more sort of emotionally intelligent way, I think. So, Graham, I just finished a book by Adam Grant. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you're going to hear this again and again, called <laughs> Think Again. We're trying to get him on the show, but that's exactly what he talks about. Like, you know, listen to their perspective. Don't hit that full frontal. You're crazy about whatever you believe, but, but look at it in a different light. Understand their perspective. Yeah. And it seems to be a lot more effective. He's got some great research in the book. It's a great read. Um, if, if you get some time. That sounds really interesting. I, 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 I totally agree with it. I mean, the old saying, isn't it, that you've got two ears and one mouth, so maybe you should listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> Here we are on a podcast. Um, well, and, and pe- <laughs> <laughs> Where the audience can't talk back to us. Fantastic. I can't touch that. They can actually. They can subscribe and they can leave leave uh, 
they can leave comments Very and ratings slick. for us. We love that. But Very but you're slick. right. They're they're absolutely <laughs> silenced. But everybody has a perspective on things. And I believe everybody has a reason to have that perspective. Yeah. Get to that underground, get to that underpinning of, of, of why they believe that and then have a discussion. Most people are fundamentally decent human beings. Most people are reasonably intelligent and they care and they're empathetic and they're nice people. When you get to know them, people are nice, right? And they're decent people. There's some reason Agreed. why they have formulated a particular view, but don't just go up to them screaming in their face because, or, or making some snide joke right. or, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, right? Sometimes I post sarcastic things up on Twitter. I, I admit it. You know, I sometimes think I'm being funny, but then you have to think, well, is that actually funny to the person who's receiving it? Or does it actually reinforce them into believing that they are being victimized and they are being treated mm -hmm. as a joke by the rest of society, which just tends to just radicalize them in a way. Yeah. So maybe that's a component to, to fighting disinformation. You know, information we know is just patently wrong or faked in the case of deep fakes or, or somebody putting out information to skew a population. Question more. Yeah. Yeah. Research Question more. more. Ask, ask yourself why. why. Why would they do that? Or, you know, what... What, and ask yourself, well, what's the evidence for that? And why has that person said that? You know, what, what have they based that upon? Um, too often these things can be built upon a house of cards. And so when you do begin to question these things. And, and don't be afraid to question. Don't, if you mm -hmm. find the people around you are saying, of course it's true. You know, this is the way it is. You know, it's, it's like I said, be sceptical. That's a healthy right. way to be, I think. Well, I think we're wrong more than we're right. So... Questioning ourselves is healthy. Oh, I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speak for yourself, Eric. I mean, you know. <laughs> trust me, trust me. That clearly applies in my situation. I am wrong much more often than I'm right. Okay, Graham, you've been doing this a long time. Yesterday in the show, which we won't release because it didn't work out so well, we, we said it was too long. But that's a different issue. What do you see coming up? Yes, right? you, you've been in this industry for. A little while. I'll, I'll leave it at that. As, as I've, I and I think Rachel, you have too. What do you see coming up over the next decade? What are the things we need to think about, worry about? What scares you? You see, people ask me this all the time, and I. Oh well, then we'll all, get you a different question, Rachel. Can, to you, all I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I can, all I can say is, I, I, I'm very here. I'm I'm very skeptical of people who try okay. and predict the future. Because yeah. I don't think we would ever have predicted that we would be in the mess that we're in now and the right. scale of the cybercrime problem um, 15 or 20 years ago. It, it, you know, we, we knew it was possible for countries to write malware and state-sponsored attacks, but it was kind of the plot line of a James Bond movie rather than um, something you really thought might be happening right. on a regular basis. So the only thing I will say is I think the criminals are going to be doing it more. They're going to be making more money. And yep. a lot of the tricks which they will use, this is perhaps the surprising thing for some people, will be tricks that we've seen many, many times before. Mm -hmm. So they're they often, yeah, because they work. Why, why develop something? Why invent a new kind of wheel if the old wheel works just fine? Yeah. So if it's working, they will carry on doing it. And it may come in... Uh, different paints and it may, you know, may be disguised in different ways. But fundamentally, I think this is not a technological problem. I believe it's a human problem. And that's what the cyber criminals are exploiting. 
Mm-hmm. So does the human ever overcome that to where we're, we're much better at what we do than we are right now? Because I, I got to tell you, you're, you're right. Predictions are horrible, mm. but it, they're the number one downloaded asset on our webpage every year when we yep. do the annual predictions. <laughs> yeah. People love that over everything else we do. They sure do. Yes. Yeah. But well, we're always pe- wrong. People love the horoscopes as well, don't they? But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to turn to that page. Yes. <laughs> I may put a horoscope up this year under my predictions <laughs> column and see how it, how it does. I'll get back to you on that. But yeah, it's... it's um, that, well, I mean, there's some things that I think we're, we can be fairly confident about. I think ransomware is going to continue because, wow, they've really not, found yes. a, an enormous stream of cash coming in that it's way. Moneymaker, yes. Business email compromise is going to carry on happening, stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from people. The sheer glut of new malware coming out, I don't expect that to stop anytime soon either. Um, but I, I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I do believe that... People, maybe simply because they're getting hit more and more, people are getting more clued up about things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only so many times that you get punched in the nose before you learn how to duck when you see the fist coming, right? And so right. it's... Well, as long as it hurts, right? <laughs> right. It's got to hurt. If you have insurance or you don't seem to care, the bank covers it. Yeah, uh, but even if you have insurance, it, it still hurts, right? Because your insurance premium goes up. Exactly. You're, uh, okay, fair. And, and you have to do some work, right? You have to ref- yeah. you have to, you have to restore from backup or you have to buy new equipment and put it in. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. But does it hurt enough would be my question. Right. Well, that's the big question, right? I mean, it's how much does it have to hurt before you take some action? I had an idea, which I talked about on the Smashing Security podcast the other week, which was maybe a government, rather than banning ransomware payments, should have a ransomware tax. So if you make a ransomware payment, you also have to pay so much money into the treasury. Yes. (laughs) And maybe that could be rolled back into cybersecurity education or something, but it would just make it that little bit more painful. A disincentive to do nothing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so future prediction. I'm going to make this very binary for you. Do insurance companies con- continue to pay ransomware? Or two years from now, are they out of that business and companies are on their own and have to figure it out? What's I got? don't think companies are going to be on their own. I think there will always yeah. be people who will be prepared to pay a ransom. Um, companies may find it difficult to pay the ransomware gangs because of sanctions and, and other measures, but I think there will be proxies and intermediaries who will offer to do it for you if that kind of legislation- No, I know they'll pay it. The, the question I'm asking though is, are the insurance companies in that game or do they just exclude it like an act of war or something else? Mm. We're not covering this anymore. Good luck companies. If you want to pay it, great. If you don't, you're on your own anyway. We're not covering this just like we wouldn't cover an act of war. I'd be surprised uh, if, if all insurance companies stopped doing that. I think there will be some insurance companies, some maybe somewhere in the world, who will offer that service. Okay. So Doesn't it's almost work. like Lloyd's of London where they'll cover almost anything for a price. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I think I'd agree with that. I, th- I think we're going to see them scale back, but I think I would agree with that. Yeah. I think, I think it will carry on. It, it, it may not be in your own country. You may have to work with people overseas to do mm-hmm. it for you, but... Um, I don't think it's going to go away. Well, it's, it's so profitable, you know, and so I think we, we were talking about with the Joe Uchel about, you know, it's if you start regulating Bitcoin or, you know, the means by which they get paid and 
you know, are, are, are there other ways to kind of impact the wallet um, so they can't walk away with with the money they want, you know, because it's all the financial incentive. So how do you kind of uh, decrease the financial incentive and, and increase the risk? Um, you know, and, and I don't know that there's an easy answer for that. I don't think there is an easy answer, not with anonymous cryptocurrency. Um, you, I mean, there, there are companies who do very clever things in looking into transactions of cryptocurrency to work out where mm-hmm. things move to, but there are also services which will help you launder your cryptocurrency or mix it in with other people's cryptocurrency. So it's very hard to tell where one particular payment may have gone. Um, so it's, there's a lot of sophistication. We are seeing more, we are, we are in the state seeing more regulatory pressure around that disclosures from the major exchanges. We're around Mm -hmm. a tax, really more around a tax, uh, Mm. ability than any kind of security or threat to the country or companies or illicit activity, just evading taxes. But we are seeing more activity there, especially in the last, I'd say, month or so. You know, the month of April and May, I've seen mm-hmm. a lot more a lot more interest there, which I think would help. It, it's not going to eliminate the problem, but I think what, it would help. What would really help would be that if certain countries where these ransomware attackers were based um, had any kind of willingness to actually uh, apprehend these cyber criminals, mm-hmm. because some of them, we know who they are. Some of them, we know what they're based. We even know what kind of cars they drive. You know, it, some of this <laughs> is sometimes known, but it may be that they have rather a cosy relationship with the local police mm-hmm. force and the, yeah. the police. In or a particular, the national. Yes, right. exactly. exactly. Right. And, a lot and, of times they'll do it in, I mean, look at, look at the, uh, the colonial pipeline, right? Mm. We may find out one day, we may never find out how involved the Russian government was, but it certainly wasn't against their interests for that to happen. They mm. love disruption. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, a lot of the ransomware gangs will not attack companies um, and organizations based in their own country for that very reason, right. because they know then the police will get involved, and but the police will turn right. a blind eye as long as it's happening, for instance, in America. Or, or, or they can't. I was, I was with an FBI, a, a senior FBI official years ago, five, six years ago, and, and they had studied the internet bandwidth into Africa, the continent of Africa and certain countries. And it was all around, you know, illicit behavior. Um, and, and, and the government didn't have either the laws or the inclination or the ability to do anything because yeah. they just didn't, they, they had so many problems in these African countries and the governments, they just didn't have the, they didn't have the police force. They didn't have the understanding. There wasn't a reason to do anything. You know, big internet pipe was bringing some business there. The money was, was sometimes being distributed on the economy, but, but the bottom line was, you know, th- there wasn't a cost to those governments. So why, yes. why do right. something? Yeah. And it, also, it was a fascinating talk. And also, some of these organized criminal gangs have a lot, a lot of money, mm-hmm. maybe more than the typical policeman might have. And, you know, you might not want to rock the boat if you work in law enforcement because, you know, these are guys who could make your life very difficult and that of your family as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost equate it to dealing with, you know, what I imagine dealing with a cartel mm. in like Mexico or South, a South American company country right? They have as much or more power than the government in many ways, certainly better funded. Keep your head down and and don't make waves. Mm -hmm. Seems to be effective. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, if you think about how much money people might make through drug dealing compared to cybercrime with 
ransomware and business email compromise. Um, it's easy to imagine that you could make more money that way and probably put yourself at less physical risk at the same time. Absolutely. Well, let's just call it less physical activity because a keyboard stroke <laughs> is a lot easier than a swift boat or a helicopter yep. flying something across a, a border yep. or working with a coyote to get something across a, a fence line. Certainly less physical activity. Yeah. So are we all doomed then? Is that our... Um... <laughs> no, we always end the podcast on a down note. So let's pick it up. <laughs> Well, we I, will figure I, it out. It's been cheering yeah, this, hasn't it? Be, <laughs> Talked yeah, about the old exactly. days and how old we are and how the world's gone all techno <laughs> and we don't understand it all and <laughs> climate change, well, we did that one. <laughs> there has to be optimism though, right? I mean, you know, I, I, I really do believe the good guys win in the end. You know, it's just how long does it take, take to you get there? You keep saying that. I do keep saying that. It's my mantra, uh, you know, because at some point, you know, I... I there's, there's going to be that thing that happens, like the wrong thing to the wrong person. And, and is that when it turns on a dime? Maybe I've been watching too many movies that could explain a lot of that thinking. But um, I, I really do believe, I mean, I, everything comes to a breaking point, right? And, you know, we, we hope that that breaking point isn't, you know, utter devastation uh, in the physical world, you know, where we, we truly have a lack of resources or, you know, this devastating physical attack. But I, I do feel like at some point, um, it, the tide has to turn, you know, where, where we're going to crack the code. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm naive, but yeah, I don't know about cracking the believe. code. I, I, I think cyber crime is here to stay. Crime is here to stay, right? It's right. Crime exactly. the beginning of time. We've so, had crime. It's not yeah. going away. So right. it's just another kind of crime. In fact, it probably will find in the future, people stop calling it cyber crime. It will just be crime, right? It's just a different kind of crime. And uh, I, I, think it is, it, you are right. It is important to acknowledge that we do have successes and bad guys are caught and they're imprisoned and sometimes they get hefty sentences. And there are lots of very, very smart people who are working on the good side, writing security software and hardware, creating things like that and working in law enforcement. And they're doing an doing amazing podcasts. job. Yes, <laughs> podcasts. That's the most important thing of all. So <laughs> it's, but you know, so there is, there is lots of good stuff going on as well. I don't think we've got a 100% solution, but I do believe uh, there's, there is cause to be, have some positivity as well. Agreed. And, and if we did solve this problem, I just want to remind both of you and our listeners, both of our shows would be out of business. We'd have to move. There'd be a different topic. <laughs> I mean, we'd have to change our podcast, which would be horrible. <laughs> so there I are some we're, benefits. We're a few years out from that, I, I would say. Do you think <laughs> there are any we'll criminals see, out there? Criminals who are doing podcasts about how to be a better ransom, you know, a ransomware box or something like that. I would love to get one on. So, so, so <laughs> Rachel, next week we're going to do the optimism episode. That's how we'll label it. And it'll be nothing but good news in cybersecurity. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, you keep taking me down. We're, we're, I really appreciate you joining the show. We, we are at the end of our time here. But, you know, one thing I realized we read your bio, your intro yesterday when we did the first attempt. I don't think we introduced you today as, you know, your background and everything. Oh, you don't have to do that. Oh, but we do. Rachel, <laughs> would you, would you mind reading Graham's bio? We'll do it on the, on the backside of the show. <laughs> Charming. Mix it up a little bit. Uh, I mean, where to start though, Graham? I mean, you have such a rich history 
Let's oh. start with award Well, I won a beautiful blogger. baby competition when I was about eight months old. Could we start with that? <laughs> I love okay. that. I put you on your start. <laughs> but really, researcher, podcaster, award-winning security blogger. Yes. You, you do public speaking. Graham, I'm not sure if I mentioned the podcast, but Smashing Security is a yes. favorite of ours. Yes. Thank for you. a good laugh and a good bit of education. You've got a ton of background in the business. You know, you've been talking on this topic for greater than, what, 30 years? Yeah, around about that. You did the original, part of the original Dr. Solomon's AV toolkit for Windows. Info Security, European Hall of Fame in 2011. Really, really appreciate you spending your time with us today and and just talking through some simple things like ransomware and and, uh, jazz cigarettes as we started off the show. (laughs) I learned something every day, right? I love it. Well, let's not forget, I I love this quote, right? I I don't know if you've trademarked it, Graham, but the cloud is just someone else's computer. I think that's genius. Oh, well, I I didn't trademark it. I do believe I was the first person to say it. I can't find any earlier record of anyone using that phrase. Um, but someone else has got has made T-shirts and stickers, so someone else is making money out of it, but not me. Well, going back to uh, your your May fifth episode two two six crypto crazies and NFTs, you should NFT that thing. Oh yeah, that, oh that's a good point. Yeah, huh? huh? Oh, I like your thinking. NFTs. Yeah, there's money to be made there. <laughs> At least for now. Exactly. Get it anyway, Graham. Good. Thank you for week after week putting out some great content and yes. joining us. Oh, pleasure. And thank you for doing your podcast as well. Yeah, we we, we try. We try. (laughs) Okay, Rachel, how do we end it? Well, I have to say, you know, and and, and Graham can appreciate this. We love subscribers. You can get a fresh episode every week delivered right to your inbox if you smash that subscription button. So be sure to do that. Um, We appreciate all of our listeners and joining us on this journey. And we always welcome feedback. So, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, we're always happy to to bring on new guests and make sure we're we're talking about the themes that you care about. Um, so until next time, next week, everyone be safe. The optimism episode coming next week. Coming next week. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.